If you are a powerful, impactful, influential leader, it is your job to create clarity even when you cannot see. The only true competitor in the infinite game is yourself. The leader of the team has to go first. So where do ideas come from? Welcome to Nordic Business Farm Audio, the podcast that empowers leaders to change the world. I'm Heli, and during this following discussion, Seth Godin, a marketing and leadership mastermind, talks about linchpins, innovation, and making a difference. The interview was recorded at Nordic Business Forum Stockholm in 2018. Enjoy. I have the pleasure of having Seth here now to have a one-on-one -on -one continued conversation. Welcome, Seth. Good to see you again. Good to see you too. Like you know, I'm an avid fan of yours and, and the way you think, and I know that a lot of our online viewers are as well. And there's such sort of a vast wealth of knowledge that we could sort of dive into. Um, and you spoke a lot about marketing and, and, and that on stage. So I thought we would, I'd like to dive into your latest book. Okay. Um, your latest book is what do you do when it's your turn? And um, I like it because it's, like you told me, about our ability to make a difference. Yeah, the subtitle is, and it's always your turn. And it's always your turn. And that's the point of it, is what would happen if you and 10 people you work with all read the same rant mm. that said, what are we waiting for? Why are we telling us ourselves a story that we're managers when we're actually leaders? What are we af afraid of? What are we holding back on? Mm. And I illustrated it, I designed it myself, and the goal is not to have it be a book, because people don't like books. Mm. It's to get under your skin with, as if I was giving you a presentation. Mm. So if it would just sort of entice the audience here, and also um, the online viewers, if you just give sort of three key insights from the book of how you actually obtain that ability, whether you're an individual, a corporate, or a startup. Yeah, I think the most important thing is who are you hanging out with? Your peer group. If you're hanging out with people who expect that you're going to be innovative, that you're a leader, that you're going to fail, that you're going to iterate, you're going to do those things. Mm. But if you hang out in the company cafeteria with people who are whining all the time, you're going to become a whiner. Mm. And we become who we hang out with. Mm -hmm. And so the, the magic of a book, and I published it myself, and I only sell it in multi-packs. Because if you buy a bunch, you're going to give them away. Mm. And if you read it as a group, it becomes a mastermind. It mm. becomes a kernel that moves you forward. Mm. And I've been amazed. You know, we sold 150,000 so far. For a self-published book is really a lot. Absolutely. And the reason is because, you know, General Motors comes back for 200 more, 300 more. They're discovering that talking about it. That's why an event like this is so important. Mm. Who you see standing next to you drinking coffee, mm. you imagine you could be them. Mm. I, that's my mission. That's what I do. And I like that because it is all about role models. Um, it's about conveying a message that you're passionate about. Right. And I also know that you have another expression that is also a book of yours. I don't know if you mentioned it on stage, but it's when you talk about linchpins. Right. So could you sort of elaborate on that concept? So in the old days, a wagon had four wheels and there was a pin that held the wheel to the wagon. And if the pin broke, the whole wagon broke. Mm. That pin is called a linchpin. Every organization has linchpins. Mm. These are the people we would miss if they were gone. You know, flying here today, yesterday on SAS, I was amazed the entire plane was boarded by one person. 
So when it was time to open the other gate, he just pressed a button and it opened itself. When it was time to make an announcement, he pressed a button and it made the announcement. That we get rid of people all the time with computers because we can miss them. Fine, goodbye. But there are some people we can't live without. There are some people who lead, not manage. There are some people who care. Those people don't have to worry about computers taking their job. It's a choice. It's more than a soft skill. It's this decision to be the person they would miss if you were gone. And I also think that conveys to, because we're talking a lot, of course, about leadership today. And I think one often can take for granted that leadership is a trait that comes naturally just because you're a founder or you're an entrepreneur. I'm and, rolling my eyes here, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to also find how do we sort of convey that, that leadership is something that either is a skill, i.e. you have to learn it, or a talent, you're sort of born with it. So help me understand what Gandhi, mm. Oprah, mm. Sheryl Sandberg, Elvis Presley, and the Reverend Martin Luther King have in common. They all have a purpose. Right, they're all leaders, mm. but one was super skinny, one stuttered, one is a woman, one, I mean, go down the list. Mm. They have nothing in common, mm. except they decided to be leaders. You don't get leadership because you have charisma. Mm. You get charisma because you're a leader. Mm. I like that. You get charisma because you're a leader. Mm. True. And, and I, I want to also get back to some of, you, you talk a lot about soft skills. And I know that you had another word for soft skills. Real skills. Real skills. So looking at leadership today and whether it's leading lean, whether you're a startup, whether you're an organization, what are the key factors that you need to be able to access in order to lead lean or in order to, you know, have a forward sure. mentality? Well, lean is good marketing because what it really means is wrong. But if they called it wrong, no one would want to do it. What it means to be lean is that you are willing to be wrong. That management is all about being right every time. Mm -hmm. Do what I said. Do what we did yesterday. But leadership and lean are about being wrong. We don't know what to do. We're willing to be wrong on our path to be right. So that's the first thing. The second is possibility. Mm -hmm. It's possible that this will work. A lot of people have trouble finding possibility, mm -hmm. right? Another key concept is enrollment. Who wants to come with me? Because I can't make you come, but if you want to come, we can go together. Mm -hmm. So when you seek enrollment, it's different than when you enforce compliance. And one of the things that's a, that the Nordic countries are so good at mm -hmm. is so many things here are voluntary, that you're not conscripted to do this or conscripted to do that. It's a choice. And this awareness that we can own it, that we can choose it, that's at the heart of being a leader. I also know that you talk a lot about responsibility and right. that people are either responsibility averse or they, they actually know how to take the responsibility. Exactly. Could you sort of develop that? Because that's a key component. Right. So you can have as much responsibility as you want, mm. which is amazing. Mm. Why don't you want it? You don't want it because you'll get in trouble. You don't want it because you might fail. You don't want it because people will hate you because you made a promise. So instead, instead of going out and saying, here, I made this, you go out and say, the kitchen made this. And if you don't like it, I'll call the manager. Because then you're not responsible. But people who choose the soft skill, the real skill of responsibility, all the doors open. Because the number of people who want to be responsible is really low. So go for it. It's scarce. But that sounds easy, you know, when we're talking about it here. But how do you actually convey and implement that in a sort of large corporate structure? Well, let's start with the smallest possible example. 
So you're at a restaurant, it's zero degrees, it's cold, and the door is open. You could stand up and go close the door, or you could wait for someone else to do it, because you don't own the restaurant, you're just eating there. And you say to yourself, but if I get up and close the door, somebody might say, wait, I liked it cold. Somebody might say, why are you closing the door? The manager wanted it to be open, you could get in trouble. But there are some people who stand up and close the door. That mindset is exactly the same at General Electric, IBM, Ericsson, Otis, doesn't matter. Stand up and close the door. Because if you're wrong, it's not fatal. They'll just open the door again. Take responsibility. So from taking responsibility to then going back to what we also talked about today, organizations, corporates adapting to a more entrepreneurial mindset. Right. Do you foresee that being the future onwards? Exactly, because we needed companies with 100,000 employees. We used to need them. But mass marketing needs mass products, mass distribution, mass production, big companies. But when robots are making everything and AI is doing all this stuff and the variety of products goes through the roof because it's mass customization, we don't need a company with 200,000 people in it anymore. Right? My company has two people in it. So the opportunity is to instead of saying, how do we get big and boring, is to say, how do we act like we own the place, even if we don't? Because if you have enough people who act like they own the place, the place will be worth owning. Yeah, it sounds good in theory, and I do agree with you. But do, do you find if you work with corporate companies, if you meet executives, that they can really endorse this kind of thinking? Because it is a cultural mind shift. Well, it is, in fact, uh, true in fact, not mm. in theory, mm. that the vast majority of organizations that are big are dying. And as they die, they get more focused on management. They get more focused on compliance and on cutting costs. Mm. But if we go to organizations that are growing mm. of every size, there's more than one person who's taken responsibility. The senior vice president of this, the junior vice president of that, the receptionist, each taking responsibility. You know, people like to, to pick on Kodak, mm. but I used to do a lot of business with Kodak. Mm. And the receptionist at Kodak, when they had 90,000 or 200,000 people, took responsibility. Before you got there, she did research on who you were. She greeted you when you came in the door by name, even though she had never met you. Mm. She had fresh baked cookies. She was doing all that on her own account. She was a linchpin. I guarantee you she was the last person who lost their job at Kodak. Because everyone said, we can't live without her. It doesn't matter how up or low you are, you can choose to have this skill. So how do you acquire or cultivate the characteristics of a linchpin? Well, I think, like the game of hockey, most of us know what to do. We just don't want to do it. And my argument in linchpin, I spent... 40 pages describing what you got to do, and 200 pages encouraging you to do it. That the doing it is the hard part. Everyone in their whole life has told one funny joke, has drawn one decent picture, has cared about one human. You've done it at least once. Mm. So just do it twice. Mm. Do it four times. You know how. It's just choosing. So do you have any good examples of either corporates or leaders who are actually identifying the role of a linchpin so that we can sort of so, put a context uh, Let me give you it. one from a, one of the biggest companies in the world. Uh, years ago when the internet was young, IBM was dying. And a guy named John Patrick mm. decided to start an internet division. 
and with no organizational support, took some time from a bunch of engineers to start playing with the internet at IBM. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how hard they had to work. At 6 p.m., the security guards locked the doors and made everyone leave the headquarters building. Mm -hmm. John had to bribe the guards to let his team stay late. He paid for the pizza out of his own pocket. Now, the internet is a multi-billion dollar division of IBM because one person said, I'll do it. Wasn't his job, he just did it. And if you can do that at IBM, as buttoned down a place as I can think of, why can't you do it where you were? But do you think it's easier to be a linchpin in the initial stage, for example, in a startup, where you can have that drive, but then when you start to scale, there's a risk you become sort of more of a corporate? There, there is. I think that if you work at a big company and start acting this way, mm. one of two things is going to happen. Mm. You're going to get promoted or someone else is going to hire you away. True. If you work at a startup and you do these things, good for you. The startup might fail whether or not it was your fault. Mm. So it's a lot less stable. Mm -hmm. But I learned how to be a linchpin at 24 years old at a company with 30 people. I wouldn't have traded that job for anything. It changed my life. But I've talked to people who've had the same experience at some of the largest corporations in the world. It's a choice. It really is a choice. It's a choice. And I'd like to take the conversation to something you also talked about on stage, and that's education. Right. I think education is, you know, it's such a fundament, and it really is in a paradigm shift at the moment. Um, you said, I think, education and school are not the same thing. not the same thing. So first, give us your perspective on education. Education is a bureaucratic institution designed to create compliance. That's why they built it. Mm -hmm. And that's how we train doctors. Mm -hmm. and that's how we train lawyers. And it's how we train five-year-olds. Mm -hmm. Do what we say, take a test, get certified, pass the bar, now you're authorized. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of room in that for learning. There's room in that for the institution, mm -hmm. right? So I call that school, the institution. The alternative, let's call that education, is learning, is solving interesting problems, choosing to lead, learning to fail, taking responsibility, seeking possibility. Mm -hmm. These are soft skills. They don't teach that at the bureaucratic institution. Mm -hmm. So we have to teach our own kids that, and we have to teach ourselves that. And how do you see, just in a short, short words, the future of education? What is it going to, because I know that you started your own online course. Right. I have two online courses, the Alt-MBA at altmba.com. Mm -hmm. 120 people in a digital workshop uh, in dozens of countries around the world. And the marketing seminar, a different way to learn. In both cases, I do not want to build a school. Mm. In both cases, we're breaking all the rules and it's working, I don't know how long it'll work, but for the people who want to learn this way, mm -hmm. you can learn. You can learn it. And last but not least, mention just one key trait, experience, or insight that has been fundamental for you in your professional life. I don't think you can be curious and angry at the same time. My friend Kat taught me that. Her new book came out today mm -hmm. called The Second Chance. When you're curious, mm -hmm. you're looking with empathy at the other person. Why are they like this? It's so much more powerful mm. than being angry. Seth, thank you for contributing with your knowledge. Thank it's you always a pleasure me. to see you're you. Amazing. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. For more interesting business insights, keep on listening to our following episodes. And please, if you have any suggestions or comments, drop us an email at audio at nbforum.com. Until then. 
go make a change.